0: And adjust the cameras. Welcome. We're glad you're with us today as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. Um, And we have been working through a chapter at a time. We've done the Gospels. We're in the book of Acts. We're at Acts chapter 27 now, so we're almost done with the book of Acts. Um, We did Matthew. We did Mark. We did John. We did Luke. We took those out of order because Luke and Acts are written by Luke to Theophilus, and it's a great... Sort of, uh, it puts it together very well. The events and the gospel of the gospel of Jesus and what he did in his life and ministry, and then what happened in the early church. And we've been seeing that through. We've seen the ministries of the apostles, particularly Peter, and then Paul over these last chapters. And really, in the last four times we've been together, it's been about trials that Paul has been facing, um, where everybody thinks he's innocent, but he's still in jail, and he's finally, finally heading to Rome because he's appealed to Caesar. All a part of God's plan to get the gospel to Rome and let Paul preach there and what he's doing. And so all these things are unfolding, just as God would have them. But, you know, like I said, probably seemingly a little frustrating to Paul at times, who's been in prison now for a couple of years for something that he didn't do. Uh, trumped up charges that they, they were holding against him. So we, uh, we've been looking at those things. What's going to happen in Acts 27 is um, Paul's going to travel to Rome... By ship, and uh, in in the New Testament, this was a uh, the way that they would travel is that passengers would get on cargo ships. They weren't really made for passengers, but they were always trying to make money. So these big cargo ships would also take on passengers. wasn't very comfortable, but that's how they did it. And uh, um, this was the type of ship that that Paul would have boarded. Um, they they uh, they were weren't particularly maneuverable. These big ships. And, uh, and so they generally ran before the wind, with the wind pushing them. They weren't really made to tack against it. And, uh, and so it, the time of year had a big thing to do with what was happening in the process. And while Paul's out to sea, the boat is caught by uh, hurricane force winds. And there's this 14-day thing that happens. And, uh, and that's what we struggle with in the midst of this journey for Paul. 14 days of uh, just violent winds. Nobody eats. And those things uh, just don't work very well. So, uh, we're going to watch what happens. In the midst of that, an angel appears to Paul and uh, tells him that he's going to be okay. And so, uh, I think it's, you know, when you see that, it's good to know that no matter how bad a situation looks, God is able to deliver us. Um, Because it's going to look pretty bleak in the midst of this. So, that's where we're at. Let's hop into Acts 27, uh, 44 verses, beginning in verse 1. Here we go. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the imperial regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramitium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, And Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off... When the I don't really know how to say that last word. It's like Nidius. And I'm sure that's not the correct pronunciation. So I apologize to all of you uh, Greek scholars and uh, particularly those of you who have uh, majored in Aramaic that I'm butchering... (laughs) Idiots. <laughs> when the when the wind did not allow us to build uh, uh to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. There was a harbor. Isn't Most people like to winter in Phoenix, don't they? Okay. Think Nothing's changed. There was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. And when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they'd obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Uh, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes onto the ship uh, itself to hold it together. Fearing they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed." Last night an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the fourteenth night we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes, that held the lifeboat, and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. I would like that promise today. (laughs) Okay. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach, where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Totally a side note. It talked about planks there. Have you seen that thing people are doing lately called planking on the Internet? Isn't this hilarious? If, if you don't know, people are, 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 are taking... They lay flat and someone takes a picture of them and they lay in random public places, like a plank. And it's called planking. And, and it's, they're trying to find the most bizarre places to do it now. It's, I don't know why I brought it up, just that I'd seen people doing it. So Chris Bailey does it on my Facebook page all the time. Yeah, you guys see that. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's got his little... Yeah, it's fun. So anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. I'm not trying to suggest that you go a (laughs) planking. All right. So, Acts 27, verse 1. One of the first things you should notice is we is back. Um, That we does not mean that Paul is French, nor does it mean he has a mouse in his pocket. The we means what? Luke is with him. So... When you see that in the book of Acts we that means Luke has joined once again the journey so Luke is back with Paul on this trip pretty when you think about it that's a pretty big deal right so Luke is back also uh, a Roman centurion named Julius is given charge over Paul on the journey to Rome the, his nickname is orange and uh, no no okay um, also mentioned is Aristarchus, and Aristarchus we'll we'll see more of uh, later on in Paul's writings. He's kind of Paul's helper, and he's allowed to be with Paul the the entire imprisonment in Rome, which is going to go on another two years. But it's Paul gets to yes, Paul's imprisonment in Rome. He's he's like under house arrest, so um, he he gets to rent a house and hang out there. So it's a little better situation, and people come to him. He gets to preach the entire time. It's really pretty cool. Okay, so uh, he's mentioned. And and that's what gets set up there in the in the book of in the first verse there in Acts 27. And really, um, Luke spends a lot of time kind of on this cruise, uh, talking about the events. And and uh, I think it's just such a shift from all the trials that he's been writing about that it gives him a chance to say, okay, there's other things going on, and this is a pretty fascinating thing. And that even though this is going to come under a lot of attack, it's the will of God that Paul gets to Rome to preach. And and so God's faithful to get him there in the process. Verses two and three, they find a ship heading in the right direction and they get on board. Um, It's late in the season though, which will ultimately cause uh, a problem. Like I said, they kind of have to run with the wind and the wind changes at a certain point and they're getting to a late start on this journey. Um, They port in a, in a place called Sidon and Paul apparently has friends there. And Julius is kind enough, the centurion to let him go and hang with his friends and provide for his needs for a little while. So uh, you can see there, there's a, Uh, he's got some sort of admiration and respect for Paul in allowing him to do that because he guards them with his life. You know, there's other prisoners there too we don't know. They're not mentioned. Um, But the centurion and the soldiers, the centurion, he's a commander of a hundred. They would have been responsible for these prisoners and they're accountable to them with their lives. By that I mean if any of them were to escape, they would forfeit their lives in the process as a penalty. And so that's why later on when you see them saying, hey, we've got to kill the prisoners, it's because it's a self-preservation thing. If any of them were to escape, they would be held accountable. But that's uh, uh, the centurion doesn't allow them to do it. Okay, but we'll see that in a minute. Um, so verses 4 through 8, they were already fighting winds. It made the journey slow and difficult and pushed them even later into the season. And then they find a ship that's headed for Italy and they, they board it in the port city of Myra. Now, in verses 9 through 12, a discussion takes place that Paul's obviously involved in, uh, and the centurion, and the pilot of the ship, and the ship's owner, and they have a discussion. Um, Paul probably, probably knows a lot about traveling by ship, and and, uh, uh, and especially when things go bad, because in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-five, Paul says, three times I was shipwrecked. So, uh, when someone's already been shipwrecked twice, And they have a bad feeling. You you should probably listen, especially if it's Paul. But nonetheless, um, Paul advises them all. Look, we shouldn't go. And yet the centurion doesn't listen to him, and listens instead to the advice of the pilot and um, the others. And they proceed on. He should have listened to Paul. Note to self: next time Paul says something, we should probably do that. Verses through thirteen through twenty-six. Then here comes the storm. Sure enough. And uh, they think they got the wind they need and it turns into this hurricane force wind that they get tangled up in and which they get continue to get caught in and stays with them for 14 days. Can't even imagine what they must have been going through. Um, they, 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 they're in it and the they, first thing they do is they throw all the cargo overboard. Because that's, that's causing them problems. And then they, they take down the tackle, the rigging, everything, and they toss that overboard, trying to keep the ship upright and afloat and, and trying to keep themselves. So, and they, the, you know, the ships aren't that well made, and they're passing, they pass ropes underneath it to kind of, that's pretty futile. To, you know, they're passing ropes, you're trying to hold the boat, the ship together in the midst of these storms. And so, and it's, it's like a nightmare, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And in the midst of this, an angel of the Lord appears to Paul, and, and uh, tells Paul, "This is this is what you need to do to survive." And so Paul then addresses the crew, and then the first thing he does is reminding him, remind them that he advised them not to go in the first place. Now, if you, I chuckle when I read that, but I really don't think Paul was saying, "I told you so," because that would be a lot like us. What he's saying is listen maybe I have a little more credibility now with you because I suggested we don't go in the first place and now you really need to listen to what I have to say or we're going to end up in really bad trouble and and he says uh, tells them what the angel said which is they need to stick together and that they're all going to be spared but um that the ship's going to get lost they're going to lose the ship but they're going to be okay if they stick together and and hang in there And so, verse 27 through 32, finally some land appears. Can you imagine? Fourteen days, two weeks into that nightmare, they finally, they get a sense that they're near some land. And they do the soundings and find out they're getting closer and closer. Um, Verses 33 through 38, Paul encourages them all to eat. And and, uh, the eating encourages all of them. And isn't it true of a nice meal? Generally, we're all encouraged after a meal, right? So, good advice. I I, have, I give advice like this all the time. It's called a snack and a nap. Um, very biblical. I've proven it biblically. We can go back to the scriptures with uh, Elijah and see where the Lord told him to take a nap and give him something to eat, and he was better. Um, when you're stressed, snack and a nap are often the best things that you can do for yourself. Here, there's no time for a nap. But Paul says, "Okay, let's eat," and they're all they're all encouraged after they eat, and they start to feel like there's hope again. Imagine how hopeless that situation would Um, feel—just totally trapped in the process. And uh, they uh, and there's they also make no there's 276 passengers and crew total on board. That's how many people they're dealing with. Okay, so they see uh, they finally see a nice sandy beach. And they think they could probably take the ship and just run it right up on the beach. And they can all get off on the beach and everything's going to be okay. But between them and the beach, without them realizing it, there's a there's a sandbar. And the ship runs aground and it gets stuck. And the waves then begin to pound the back of the ship. And it starts to break it apart. And so they have a big issue. Verses 42 through 44. The soldiers, like I said, are accountable for these prisoners with their lives. And so... It's not that they're being mean, it's really self-preservation. If any of these guys escape, they die, and so they're, they're, they, they're going to take steps not to let that happen. But um, the centurion wants to spare Paul's life, and, and so he, he won't let them carry out their plans. And uh, they decide to head for shore. And I get it. I get this, this now, because, uh, see, here's the deal. This is their plan. If you can swim, go ahead and jump overboard and swim. If you can't swim, well, then look around for a plank or something to hang on to <laughs> and get yourself there. Can you imagine if you couldn't swim, what that advice would sound like? What? Now, that was an angel. Are you sure? Right, can you give me something else. <laughs> but sure enough, they all get there. Some swim in, some hang on to planks and get in. But all 276 reach shore safely. And that's exactly what Paul said was going to happen in verse 22. And it's exactly what happens. And it's a, you know, it's just a picture of uh, trusting in the Lord. It's a, it's a picture of God's deliverance. It's a, the, that part of the story. This story is just that, that God's hand is on this. God's hand is on um, uh, Paul uh, getting to Rome to preach the gospel. But what you need to see is that just because God's in it doesn't mean that it's always easy. This was no first-class cruise. You know what I mean? Can you imagine what, what that was like? And, and still, doing what he's supposed to be doing, and yet everything upside down. And yet God is with him in the process and delivers him and will get him where he needs to go. Now, we're still not there. We've, we've landed on a beach. And uh, everybody's safe. But but actually turns out to be pretty good. They spend You'll see next chapter. They spend three months there. And, and Paul records it as really a great time. <laughs> the the islanders show up and he gets to preach. And they're really good to him. And they take care of him. And, you know, it's kind of like being in Hawaii or something. And uh, that's how I get three-month luau is my picture of what takes place. And this... Oh, yeah, and he gets bitten by a snake. That's not good. Although it, it doesn't... Paul just goes like this. And the, the, the islanders, this is what the islanders think. Here this guy escapes death from the sea. He must really be a really bad guy because now this poisonous snake jumps out out of the firewood that he's gathering and bites him on the hand. He's going to die anyway. But, but Paul just goes like this and nothing happens. And then, then they all want to know Paul. So, so that's that ultimately works out for a good thing. You know what I mean? Um, God uses stuff like that. I remember I used to go to Cuba do mission work all the time, and uh, I 'm a large person and and uh, when I would go there the the people would often come up to me and and say, "Wow you're really fat and uh, At first, I was a little taken back, but it wasn't they weren't they were they were excited to know me <laughs> and and they wanted to hang out with me because they figured he 's going to know where food is <laughs> look God 's taking care of him. we need to know this guy, and so God used it. Didn't they, Barry? Yeah, see, Barry went with me one time. He saw that happening. It, the first time somebody told me that, I was like, really? And then and then I figured it out over time. Or maybe they were just telling me and I found a way to deal with it. But nonetheless, it all works out. So God will use that stuff. And and it doesn't always work the way we want, but, but God's in charge. And so you've got to know that in life, you know, uh, we're, we're in another one of those situations where, People will start to get scared about stuff. You know what I mean? And if your security's in, in other things and it starts to get all up and down on you, you can get all upset. And yet, God's in charge. God's not, promise you, God is not walking in heaven, pacing back and forth, going, Boop, didn't see that coming. Just not doing it. He'll use it all. So you can trust Him. You can settle into it. Doesn't mean it's always going to be fun, but you can trust Him because He's faithful and He's true. And he's good. And he's got your best interest at heart. And you know, he's already done the heart. He's done the very best. for you. He's already, he's already given you the best. He's given you eternal life in Christ. You've got the very best you will ever have. And all the rest of this stuff is just plus. It's just a gift plus. And, and uh, we get to enjoy it and be used by him in the process. So that's enough out of Acts 27. I, I, uh, we hit the, most of the story. And, and uh, we'll call it a night there tonight. Let you all get out of here nice and early and go for that. If you're watching by video, uh, oh, thanks for watching. God bless you guys. If you need anything, you can call us or write us. If you're watching on the webcast, and even though there's a pause, there's a delay between my voice and video. That should be just fine. And. and uh